Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, a devotional written specifically for homeschool moms, and The Four-Hour School Day, how you and your kids can thrive in the homeschool life. Now, maybe you've uh, listened to or, well, probably haven't listened to because there isn't an audio version of it, but uh, read The Unhurried Homeschooler and enjoyed it. I just want to let you know that The Four-Hour School Day is like an expanded version of that. So if you love that book, you will love The Four-Hour School Day as well. You can find all of those books um, at Amazon. You can find them at DorendaWilson.com, and you can find The Four-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the two places that I mentioned. Um, some of you know that I started an online community where I'm just mentoring moms in their homeschooling pursuit of a more simple, unhurried approach, and I would love to tell you just a little bit more about that community. Have you ever heard the phrase, more isn't better, sometimes it's just more? The Simply Unhurried community is here to unburden you, to help you find joy in slowing down and simplifying your homeschooling so you can enjoy this journey with your kids. A while back, I created the Unhurried Homeschooler Mentoring Course. Throughout these videos, I help moms understand what it looks like to take a more simple, unhurried approach to homeschooling at all the different grade levels. This video course is free to all members of the Simply Unhurried community. You can watch the videos at your own pace or jump into a group that's watching them together and discussing them along the way. In addition to the course, you'll find other topics like general homeschooling, unhurried homeschooling at all age levels, and homeschooling struggling learners, as well as resources, practical tips, and conversation that will inspire and encourage you. So please click the link in the show notes and begin to find what you need to simplify, slow down, and love the homeschooling life that God's given you. Okay, so today we're going to have a wildly unconventional conversation on family size. And you're probably wondering what in the world made her decide to do this. Well, I'll give you a little back story. A couple of weeks ago, I shared my story in another podcast about my eight C-sections. Yes, you heard that right. I had eight C-sections. I'll put a link in the show notes in case you missed that episode. But after that episode aired, I ended up in a conversation with another mom who has also had several C-sections. And as we were talking, I decided it was actually time to have my husband join me again for another episode. We haven't done this in a really long time. Um, he hasn't been on the podcast with me for a while, but we want to share, um, I thought it'd be just be fun to share the story of how we ended up with eight kids and to challenge you all with some thoughts and questions about family size that you may not have considered. And so <laughs> so uh, I, I will introduce my husband, Daryl. Welcome. Hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we have not done this in a long time. Long time. It's been a while. Yeah. I always love it when he's on here with me because it's just a fun, it's always a fun conversation and I never know exactly where he's going to go with it. <laughs> so I would encourage you also, um, if you might listen to this whole thing and then um, you know decide you want your husband to listen to it too. That's why I like to have my husband on because I think it's important, especially in a topic like this, to get the husband's perspective on it because the truth is that this man did not want more than two children when we got married. Isn't that right, honey? That is true. <laughs> I always tell people he wanted two, I wanted 10, and we compromised at eight. <laughs> that always makes people stop for a minute. And usually they're like, well, I think he did most of the compromising. <laughs> but back to our story, I think we'll just start back from the beginning. We were dating. We talked about having kids. We didn't really talk a lot about numbers, right. I don't think. Um, I always, in the back of my mind, just had the number 10 in, in my mind and heart. Of course, I never told him this because, well, I didn't want to scare him away for starters. <laughs> But then as we got closer to engagement and things like that, I think we did start talking a little bit about numbers. Uh, I think we were actually already engaged 
Yeah. And you were, it was hilarious because he was literally announcing to people that we were going to have two children. They were going to be three to five years apart. We would have a boy first and then a girl. <laughs> and I am just snickering back in the corner because I'm thinking, okay, this is so not going to go that way. But just let him talk, you know? And and I actually did stop and ask the Lord, like, is this something I need to be concerned about? Because it's kind of clear that he does not want a lot of kids. And I know I would like a lot. And so I just kind of felt this peace that I just needed to trust God, that I knew this guy was the right guy for me so I could trust God with that that piece of our story, whatever that ended up being. Okay, so your perspective um, at the very beginning of when we were maybe first engaged or married, tell the tell the audience like what kind of person you were. Well, I was a <clears throat> little older. I'm seven years older than Dorinda, so I was a 28-year-old OCD bachelor. I had my life planned. I now, had, now, let me just stop. It's not clinical OCD. Not clinical just, OCD. Just has just, tendencies towards perfection. I love that might order. be a better way I, to put it. I'm very visual. I, I liked everything in, in, in order, and I, I was a planner. And for the most part, I was kind of in control of everything because it was just me. I was pretty used to that. So Naturally, I would think, well, you know, we'll just kind of plan this family out in a way that will be easy for me to control. Right. Um, manage. Manage. Yeah. And, and then, of course, the longer I live, the more I know I am not in control and where <laughs> I got such delusions, I don't know. But um, so, but as we were, should I just go on to, yeah. do, well, we'll, we'll fast forward from there a little bit. We, uh Got married. We had uh, uh, we were about at about nine months into our marriage. You know, I wanted to wait three to five years before we had children, but I started kind of doing the math and thinking, well, I helped him out a little bit with yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we should start a little early. And you know, you never know. God creates life, so it's not just when you decide to start trying that you're going to immediately get pregnant. So at about nine months into marriage, we thought, well, let's let's go ahead and at least try and see what happens, and it happened. Pretty quickly, yes, so uh, we had uh, we had Brittany, our oldest, and then um, they're not that far apart. About how many months later? Twenty one months. Twenty months later, Jenna came along. We had two girls, and thinking, okay, two girls, this is nice, but really, oh, it'd be kind of nice to try for a boy. So yeah, and I was all on board for that. Yeah, I was so, like, yeah, let's let's do that. So we're already moving past my target number of two. Michael, <laughs> and, and much quicker than the three to five years. Exactly. Right. So, and and I am loving being a dad, truthfully. It's such a blessing and such an honor. Um, so we thought, okay, we'll, so enter Jake. Now we have two girls and a boy. And I'm thinking, wow, this is great. This is a nice little family. I can manage this. We can fit in a normal car. I can con- <laughs> I can manage this. I can control this. Yeah, so Daryl likes sports cars. And so he likes cars that, you know, go fast, perform well. So the the thought of getting anything past a five passenger was a little bit like, I don't know if I want to do that, right? Right. Yeah. And let me just tell you also that um, when when I met him, his, his closet was arranged in such a way that his, all of his clothes were in, um, order of the shade. They went from shade. I don't even know how he did that, but <laughs> I was like, wow, I brought my brother in. I was like, you got to check this out. Come look at, come look in his closet. So my brother looks and, and he looks at me and he goes, are you sure you want to do this? And he was totally kidding, but I was, <laughs> that gives you just a little idea. Everything was in place. Everything was in order, um, which I love. I love order. So I appreciated that about him. Uh, but that was, you know, that was also something that he had to obviously down the road um, sort of navigate. Well, and now my closet looks something like a bomb went off. It, in it there. really so does. So yeah. I'm recovered in he, that he area. Is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so now we've got the three kids, and he's starting to think and verbalize, you know, maybe we should do something permanent. And he was very sweet. He volunteered. He was like, I, you know, I don't want you. You've already had three C-sections. There's no reason you should have to do anything about this. So, and plus, I don't think it's very good for you. It's easier for me. So it was very sweet, but I really didn't want to be done. And I didn't want to tell him that per se, um, because I really just didn't feel like it was, I didn't want to force him into something he didn't want to do. 
But as the longer we talked about it um, and we're just kind of going back and forth, the more I realized I did not want to be done. And so I just kept praying and praying and praying. And finally, um, I just, you know, started talking to him a little bit more about the potential of more children and, you know, just read some things to him, trying really hard not to pressure or push him into it. Because I thought if we move forward with more kids and he's not fully on board, um, I don't want him to look at me down the road and say, this was your idea. You know, when it gets really hard, because it does sometimes, and it will when you have a lot of kids, um, it does when you have two. I understand that. But the more kids you have, the more potential you have for chaos and different things. And I didn't want him to look at me and say, this was your idea. So uh, so I really didn't want to pressure him or push him. And um, so I just kept praying. And I really didn't think that I was doing that great of a job of hiding my feelings. But I asked him later after he made the decision and he assured me yeah, <laughs> that I, I didn't. Not. And She didn't pressure. She prayed a lot. And, and this is why it is so important to be equally yoked mm-hmm. and both following the Lord because she prayed and God spoke to me. Right. And basically I just... But this is a huge decision. I need to search the scriptures and right. see what God right. says about right. limiting the number of children. And so my research just turned up scriptures like, be fruitful and multiply, may your quiver be full, children are a blessing to a righteous man. You know, I basically came back to her and I said, uh, what I'm looking for isn't in scripture. Yeah, and that was-, was that was a reason to have a vasectomy and limit the number of uh, children we have. And I said, uh, according to God's word, that's simply nuts. It's just not even there. And (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) No pun intended. And so at that point, I just said, well, I said, I am frightened, Mm. truthfully, because the more children we have, the more, there's more potential for heartache. There's it's a big financial responsibility. It's, you know, but God says that they're a blessing to a righteous man. And I'm I'm going to stand on that. Mm, so mm-hmm. I told her, I said, let's just, and as I say this, it's almost funny. Let's just let the Lord decide how many children we have. We didn't have a number in mind. We just left it in the Lord's hands and... Uh, and really allowed him to make that determination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, it, and as I say that now, it almost sounds so arrogant because mm-hmm. we don't create life. Mm-hmm. God is the creator of life. And what an honor and a blessing that he decided to give us these eight great lives, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. um, at the time, um, I was a little arrogant, you know? Well, and it, it was a stretch. It was a stretch, but... I just said, okay, Lord, I'm going to, I'm just going to trust you in this, and mm-hmm. I'm going to leave this completely up to you. Right. And you decide how many children we have, and I will trust that you will give us everything we need to provide for them and care for them physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that that you will just equip us for whatever task you have for us. Right, right. And um, I remember we also had to have the conversation about the fact that I, I had three C-sections. So what does that look like as we move forward having more kids? You know, are we going to continue? What if we have to continue having C-sections? Um, what is that? It, it was really, there was a there were some variables in the equation that we really had to trust the Lord with. And, and we just decided we were going to trust him across the board and for all of that. And so we did, we moved forward with that. And um they just kind of tended to come about every two years. And, and Daryl often tells people we were on the two-year plan. That wasn't a plan. <laughs> but now, you know, I think when um, when I share this, I, I don't want to give the impression, we don't want to give the impression that every family should never use birth control and should have as many kids as they can. That is not what we are proposing here. Um, what we're proposing is that every each family, each couple yields this area of your life to the Lord, just like you would everything else. Right. You know, when, you know, you, you came back um, after going through the scriptures because you said, it's great. I love you reading me, uh, reading all this other stuff to me that other people have written that really only matters what God thinks. And so that's when you went to scripture and you just came back and you're like, I'm not finding anything negative about kids and I'm not finding, you know, a reason to to stop having them. In fact, I'm reading that they are a blessing. And so 
If God were going to financially bless us, would we look at him and say, no, we don't want you to do that? Or, you know, bless us with extremely good health. And we would say, oh, no, no, we don't want you to do that. Of course we want God's blessings. So why would we cut off that blessing? And so that was our that was sort of the perspective that we got, that we gained, that we feel like the felt like the Lord gave us, and that was what He had for our family, and we moved forward in obedience to it. You know, it's like um, that that saying: uh, "We're not in the results business; we're in the obedience business." Right. And so we were in the obedience business, and um, and we're here today to talk about the results, really, yeah. and sort of uh, what that journey, uh, how that journey ended up for us, and. Um, so I, you can hear the rest, you know, like all the eight C-section stories um, in that particular podcast. But I think the main thing that we want to get across is that God was faithful. Like right. every step of the way, he was faithful. I mean, I remember we could afford to go get, like I like to shop at thrift shops. I didn't mind shopping yard sales and thrift shops in order to be able to, you know, provide the clothes for our kids. It was, it seemed like the wise thing to do. Um, but there was a point at which I think we had six kids, nine and under, and I just couldn't seem to get out of the house to go shopping because it was going to take some time, the different things that I needed. And so I just prayed about it. I was like, Lord, would you just give me a time? You know, I just, these are the things the kids need. I think I even went down the list of things mm-hmm. that I needed. And lo and behold, one day uh, you and I were out with all the kids and we came home and on the front porch, there were like six or eight trash bags full of somebody's secondhand clothes that they just dropped off at our house. I had, I just still don't know to this day who dropped them off. And I looked through them and every single thing we needed was provided in those, in those bags. And, you know, it was just, it was those kinds of things over and over and over again. And we live in a society that is so self-reliant that to have the opportunity to trust God in this way and, was just, it was very, very faithful. Well, and we even try to prescribe to God how he should provide for us. Exactly. And we're looking for what we think he should do. Right. And God doesn't work within our confines. That's he, right. he, he, this is a God who parts a sea to save a nation. That's right. He will provide for us how he sees fit and he will get the glory. Right. So that's the cool thing is just seeing all the various ways that God provided the things that we need and and how he worked. And sometimes in a situation that may have even looked stressful, that God turned to good for us. Like we needed a big van, mm-hmm. a 15-passenger van, which was our family car for 12 years. Right, but we did not want to go into debt for it. So what you all have to understand is that we raised a family of 10 on one income, and I do have a podcast on that, and I will leave the, a link to that in the show notes. But we were committed to me being home with the kids, and so that meant it fell completely on Daryl to provide because I was very busy with the children, and he wanted me to be 100% there. And um, he did piecework and worked at home. So there were times that you would come upstairs and say, well, that was the last... That was the last jewelry design job I had. So. I have. And so I'm going to go out and work on the fence until God provides more. You know, he's going to go and do things that maybe he wouldn't have time for if he were working and just trusting God and praying while he's out there doing the fence. And before we knew it, God would bring in a whole bunch more work. I mean, it just, just happened over and over and over yeah. again. And a lot of people don't want to live that way. They, yeah. they want reassurance. They want uh, massive security. And 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 that that can be a blessing, but it's really can take away from that experience, that faith-building experience that God wants us to have. You know, mm-hmm. like we can say, oh yeah, God is sovereign. He, he will provide and all of that, but it's kind of up on the shelf and, and we're not actually using it. Kind of like a, um, like a, a you know, um, like if you've got a lifeboat or a life, what do you call those? Life preserver. Right. Right. You don't really value that life preserver until you have to use it. When it's hanging on the side of the boat, it doesn't really mean a lot. But when you have to use it, it's a whole other ball game. And so we had those experiences over and over again, and we just watched God provide over and over and over again. And so I think one thing that I want to make sure that we get across again is we're not telling everyone to have a bunch of kids 
Um, and if you don't, you're you're not obeying God. Um, we just are saying make God central in this decision to have children. And maybe you can't have children for some reason, um, or you can't have more children for some reason. I know lots of women who would like more, but they're struggling to get pregnant again. You know, we have to remember that God is the creator of life, like you you mentioned that before. Right. And if he's given you that nurturing heart, um, ask him where you need to use that. Um, is adoption something you need to do, or are there just children around you that you can nurture, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. if he's put that on you, but he's not giving you more children, just ask him, where can I where can I use this? Where can this desire be, right. be met? And, and how can I give to somebody else? And if you have children at home, just do a fabulous job with them, you right. know? Do a right. fabulous job with them, because you don't know, maybe God is preparing them for some really big things and you've got to put extra into them. So uh, I just want to encourage you in that way, that nurturing can come out and that multiplying can mm-hmm. come out, can happen in many different ways. But um, like we mentioned before, I, I think that our culture um, and even the church has bought into this, that children are, they're not actually a blessing. They're not actually what God says uh, they Our society are. tells you they're a burden, mm-hmm. they're, they're work, they're going to uh, they're going to limit the amount of freedom you have, and right. they're going to limit your resources. They're expensive. They're mm-hmm. you know, and, which they're not as expensive as everybody oh, seems. They can to be think. as expensive as you make them. That's right. <laughs> that is right. And we'll be talking about that in just a minute. But I know uh, one thing. I think that also fed into our decision is we seem to run across a lot of older people that we talk to that their biggest regret was not having more children. And I think we heard that over and over and over again, and it sort of planted a seed in our hearts. But I think what happens when when um, couples are um, hesitant to have more children or they're afraid to have more children, there's several things usually um, that that are going through their hearts and minds. And um, I, I think I'd like to go through kind of some of the, what I think are the common fears or concerns um, of financial security. Mm-hmm. And we kind of already covered that, but just from your perspective as a provider, what would you say in terms of, you know, someone who is fearful about financial security when it comes to having more children? Yeah, I'm, well, I just, number one, lay it before the Lord and say, I have this desire for more children. I think they're a blessing from you and um, uh, move forward in in faith mm-hmm. and trust that God will, will provide and watch for his mm-hmm. provision in his ways, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you, can, it, you can pray for a blessing on your finances. I remember as a, as a wife, I would pray, and I still do pray, um, that the work that Daryl puts his hands to, that God would multiply. Um, mm-hmm. We can pray that prayer over that financial part of our, our, of our lives. And, and just understanding that God is he is the provider. I, I think if we think in terms of he owns everything and we're stewards, of mm-hmm. what he gives us. And so whatever he allots us, we do the best we can with that. Um, and that brings me back in uh, into the next, brings me forward into the next question. Uh, can, you know, can I give them everything that I want to? Like I hear parents say this all the time, well, we don't want to have any more kids because we want to, maybe they didn't have a lot as a kid and they want to just shower things on their children that they didn't have. And I think that that is a pendulum swing. Because we, I, I would, I would ask, is that a biblical perspective? Do you really want to give them everything, and should you give them everything? That's, mm-hmm. you know, we live in a very affluent society, and our children. We have a lot of selfish people, and a lot of the culture is selfish because they have grown up with every with everything they could ever want, and they're not, and they're the least happy people. Mm-hmm. Um, on the planet, we have huge problems with depression and anxiety, and just a, a lot of a lot of um, just s- mental and emotional struggles. And I think some of that comes from just when you're when you have everything showered on you, you become the center of your universe, and mm-hmm. that is the last thing that we want to do in raising our kids. And so, for us, having a lot of kids allowed us to instill a selflessness in our kids, um, and I think that was actually beneficial for them. And it was, um, 
it was a good thing. And they weren't rich in material things necessarily, mm-hmm. but they were rich in in love and family mm-hmm. experiences. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, we just did things together and they had not time, expensive things. Not expensive things. <laughs> things that we do right on our property. Mm-hmm. Bonfires mm-hmm. and hikes and they had fun building forts and playing in the woods and, you know, so. In the summer, we'd take them to the river yeah. close by. It didn't cost anything to go well, there we had and go a, swimming. We had a, a lake nearby that we just called it our lake place. And it was just a public beach that we went and hung out. And and, and the kids would take things like half of, of a gallon or what is that? How many gallons was that drum? That that half? Oh, yeah, big, big uh, 50 gallon yeah, drum. Yeah, it was and, like a half a, a barrel and it was plastic and they would float down the river on that. And, you know, someone could look at that and say, oh, I, a, a mom could be, you know, feel guilty. Oh, I should buy them a kayak or I should buy them something else. Are you kidding me? They had the time of their life in that thing. And, oh my gosh, the, the things that they would do and the the way that they became resourceful and problem solvers. Their creativity was just amazing. And it is like, as adults, it's through the roof. And so that, they w- didn't really lack anything. No. No. They really didn't. And they, they had, because, well, because we homeschooled them too, they had time. Yes. They had time to play yep. and, exp- and just experience life. Yeah. Know? And those relationships with each other, I'm going to be talking about this in um, some podcasts in a few weeks. I'm going to talk about nurturing sibling relationships and what that looked like for us and why that's important and how it prepares our kids for future relationships. And those are all the things that happened within that large family with so many different personalities and needs and things like that. And babies coming every two years for a while, there was a lot of opportunity for them to learn to give and to serve. And it was a good thing. So another thing that I think can be a concern is what other people think. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a big one for some people. It was not a big one for us. Fortunately, we sort of expected to be a bit of an oddity yeah. and it didn't it didn't bother us we were not we were not trying to conform to this world no. and uh no. so we we didn't and we stood out a bit and i we mostly just had fun with it really we did we did and you know people sometimes would say dumb things or whatever and we would just get in the car and because you know, people, I don't know, they think our kids are deaf or something. Like, why would you say that in front of these kids? They can hear you yeah. when you say, are those kids all yours? Well, yeah. And then they say, well, better you than me. And I would just look at them and say, you are absolutely right. Right. With that you attitude, know? I'm glad that they're ours and <laughs> <Yeah>. not yours. <laughs> I wouldn't say that part, but I would think it. But we always like... Our kids, it was like this secret joke with them. Like we would get in the car and be like, people just don't get it, do they? They do not understand how great kids are and what a blessing they are. And so, you know, I think that was one really important thing that we did was just kept a positive um, attitude and and a and an honest attitude that we believed we lived like children were a blessing. And they knew it. They, that they it did. was infectious. They 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 that they felt that. They and, did, and it and it also affected how they treated each other. So every time a baby was born, they were so excited. It was their baby too. You know, people wonder if they're going to have enough love and attention to go around. There was more love and attention to go around than less. And it didn't all have to come from us. It, it didn't came all, from no. our kids to one another. Exactly. And you invest that love into your children and it multiplies. Exactly. They're going to share that and that becomes part of their nature. That's right. And that will we've seen that. Then that is carried over into their own families and their own parenting, That's you right. know. So Yeah. Yeah, it was just great. I mean, they they would fight over the little ones. No, it was my turn to hold him, you know. <laughs> it was it was fantastic. And then as parents, our you know, I think your your love just grows with each child. It's your love isn't limitless. You know, especially when you know the Lord. You know, he fills you with love for each and every child. Does that mean that I took every kid on their personal date on a regular basis? Nope. I did not. What I did was I took advantage. I would be watching for opportunities. Maybe I'm going to the grocery store and I'd grab one kid to go with me and we would go out for hot chocolate. Just as it worked, I just tried to pay attention if one was seeming needy or whatever. You know, I can even make tea and go off to the side with just that one for a little, for a few minutes. Um, So there are just, there are ways to do this in a way that um, our kids do not lack any love or attention. And that's part of the whole trust and faith in the Lord Absolutely. issue is that that he will instill in you 
who needs what and when. Exactly. And that doesn't have to be expensive. It just needs to be genuine. Exactly. You know? And uh, and that he provides. Like he'll he'll open your eyes. Oh, okay, now's a good time to grab that kid and do this with them. And you do it. You know, it's um it's again, it's such a faith builder. Um the, I think the the other thing that I think parents are worried about is that their kids will resent being in a big family. And I my um I know people who have been in big families and have resented it. And after a little investigation, I found out more reasons why. There was so much more to that picture than just, oh, it's a big family that makes kids resent being in a big family. That that was not the case. Um, the, the families were typically not healthy in terms of their relationships with each other, or the mom was overly dependent on the older kids to be like second mom. Mm-hmm. And I really committed, um, we both did, to not becoming too dependent on our older kids. We wanted to preserve their childhood, and so we watched for that, but we didn't want them to become selfish either. So we didn't withhold so much of that that they didn't learn to serve or to take their place as the oldest kids in the family, because we believe that God is sovereign over every child and when he brings them into the family. So whatever their, um, they wherever they fall in the family lineup, that's God's ordained place for them in the family. So that meant that the older kids were capable and able to have that position and to have a little more responsibility and maybe to help out a little bit more. And what's funny is now we're on the other end where we've got a 20 and 17 year old at home and uh, the 20 year old especially babysits all the time, babysits her nieces and nephews. So what goes around comes around those those kids who who babysat or now have a free babysitter. <laughs> right. So, and that's another beautiful thing about being in a large family. But I think it's super important not to work from a place of guilt. Again, remembering that they were put in that position in the family by God. Uh, we, again, we I think some of the things that we did to sort of waylay the resentment was um, we lived like children were a blessing. I mentioned mm-hmm. that before. Also, things like we didn't assume that the toddlers would be jealous of the baby. I see this all the time on social media. Oh, I'm so worried that my toddler is going to be jealous of the baby. And I'm like, well, are you encouraging it? Because you're sometimes when we're fearing it, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. We say it out loud. We're, you know, we're acting like it is so. And then it is so. Where I just said, oh, we would get ready for the baby and it would just be like, this is your baby. You know, this is our baby. Do you want to help when the baby comes? Do you want to help bathe the baby? And do you want to, you know, and just involve them with the process so that they felt like that baby was theirs as well. So there are things we can do. Um, and it's not that complicated mm-hmm. to to kind of keep that from happening. Um, we practiced and encouraged selflessness. Um we talked about how children are a blessing. We talked about that often. Um, and I think it's important that um, we don't let other people taint our family's perspective on children. That is something that we did. We're, we're like, okay, yeah, fine. You can have that perspective, but that's not our perspective. And we reinforce that at home and mm-hmm. with each other. I remember when I had our, we had our sixth and I had never gotten my cycle back. Uh, till before like six months. And I was nursing full time, but for whatever reason, it would come back then. But on this one, it came back at three months and I had a minor, okay, major freak out moment. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. And I had this conversation with Daryl and I said, and I was just like, I was in panic mode. And he looks at me and he goes, Dorinda, who creates life? I said, God, he said, do we create life? And I said, no. He said, well, we can come together as much as we want to, but we're not the ones who make life. And, and it was like, you're absolutely right. Now I will say that I think we were, you were very kind and you were like, okay, let's try to avoid that time. If, if you can track when that time is, when you might get pregnant, let's try to avoid that. And we did. And, and there, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that because we were still, we were still trusting the Lord. The Lord is still at the center of that decision. Um, but we literally had to try for the next one um, when when the previous one was over a year old. Right. You know, so God, I, that was just such a testimony of God's faithfulness. He knew I wasn't ready yet, and He did not allow it to happen. Um, so, 
here's the truth. The truth is that our children are a long-term investment and that a biblical perspective is a multi-generational perspective. Because as we go into this, we're not, this isn't just about, ha- we, we weren't just doing this to just have a large family. We were thinking influence, God's influence, his, his values instilled in these children and then multiplied. And we, we've prayed for succeeding generations and we continue to do that. So I want to share a few scriptures with you. And these are just a few. There are tons in there, but I'm going to read them to you um, just to give you an idea of this of the biblical perspective on children. Psalm 127, verse three to five. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Proverbs 20, verse 7, and this is, you can, you're going to hear this multi-generational mindset. A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. Proverbs 17, 6, grandchildren are the crown of old men and the glory of sons is their fathers. Psalm 128, 6, indeed, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. There's a blessing in being able to see your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Psalm 128.3, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. Psalm 112 verse 2, his descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Isaiah 61.9, then their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them will recognize them because they are the offspring whom the Lord has blessed. So I think that Daryl, some families are looking around going, times are strange um, and could get hard. So what, what about that? Is it wise to have children when, you know, A, B, or C is happening? What do you have to say to that? Well, for one thing, I've lived long enough to see many strange times <laughs> and many times when people would say, oh, no, now's not the time to have children. I mean, back in the in the eighties, where we had crazy inflation, mm-hmm. I financed my first house at fourteen and a half percent. I mean, and he was happy about it, and and that was okay. <laughs> and people were still buying houses, and life moved on. Right, right. You know, so all kinds of crazy things have happened economically, politically, whatnot. And uh, truthfully, God transcends all that, mm-hmm. as He made clear in Jeremiah mm-hmm. when Israel is being taken into exile. Right. But he tells them. You want me to go ahead and read it? Yeah, read that scripture. I'll read the scripture. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Here's what God said to them. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And so do you see that cultural like takeover? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> think about it. If every or most believing godly families had children, lots of them, or as many as God told them to, or led them to, um, what would happen in one generation? Because, yeah. We would rule the roost. We you know, would we take would, over the we country. We would take over. Because here's what's happening, you guys. Um, we see the transgender movement. We see the alternative lifestyle movement. The gay lesbian movement. Uh, None of them can have children outside of God's ordained plan. So at best, they may adopt a child. They have to literally steal from God's plan because only a man and a woman can have a baby. So they have to steal from God's original plan um, in order to, to multiply. So chances are they're not going to have a lot of children, if any at all. And in the meantime, if God's people 
are multiplying and raising godly children who love the Lord and who are living to glorify Him and to please Him, literally in one generation, we could take over the country. So, I mean, it's staggering. It's easy to think just uh, about the here and now and get caught up in the fear. And and I think that's exactly what the enemy would want. He does not want us to multiply. (laughs) He does not want godly families with parents who are walking with the Lord. I'm not, don't be confused with perfect because Daryl and I are not perfect. We made our share of mistakes, but we have seen God's grace and his blessing as we have chosen to obey him. And so God tells the people of Israel to do what when they're going into essentially hard times? Have kids, get married, plant your garden, build your house, keep living your life, live like God is on the throne because he is. And so we can see just in the verses that I read, just those few that God believes and says that children are a blessing. Now, the opposite is true for the world, right? The world sees children as, at best, an acquisition, right? Right. So you get the degree, the education, the career, the job, the house, the car, and then the kids are the next thing on the list, right? They're just another thing that you acquire. And that is the polar opposite of what God is saying in his word. And so the world is rejecting, really rejecting having children. And we're saying God is the opposite, which is not surprising, right? (laughs) This does not surprise us. But Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We make wise decisions when our when we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I think we can honestly say that God's word transformed our minds. Transformed our minds, and we were faithful. Mm-hmm. We were obedient. Mm-hmm. And right now, I feel like one of the wealthiest men on earth mm-hmm. because of the blessing we have in our children, mm-hmm. um, in the spouses that they have chosen, mm-hmm. uh, in the grandchildren. in grandchildren, which will soon be more than the number of children we have. Right? And, you know, so the blessings are, are, are enormous. And my children are my friends mm-hmm. and, and they're the first people I want to do things with. Right. And, right. uh, they are, they are our people. Yeah. You know, um, we joke sometimes um, that, you know, maybe we should find some friends our own age. And then we look at each other and go, nah. <laughs> <laughs> we do have friends our own age, but the bulk of the time, we still see most of our children just, you know, throughout days and weeks. And just because we like seeing each other and we, we have a good relationship with every single one of our children. And I think that was... And the in-laws. Oh, yes, yes. And the daughter-in-laws and son-in-laws. And th- and that's huge, you know. That's something that... It's a blessing from God. It's totally a blessing from God. It's not because we've done everything right, um, because we're so good at this. We are really learning as we go. We're yeah. still learning as we go. We were faithful, obedient, and we, we spent a lot of years plowing. Yes, we but, did. We but did. God has, has honored that and blessed that, and and it was worth every bit of effort. Absolutely. And, you know, we even go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis, um, Genesis 1, 28. And it said, it says, and God blessed them and God said to them. So, so here's God blessing Adam and Eve. And he's saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Um, He is calling us to be fruitful and multiply. And obviously, that's in spiritual ways as well. Um, as believers, we want to advance the kingdom of God. But I believe it also that God also um, would like to see us multiply as a people, um, because this is this is the pattern we see in Scripture. Um, Genesis nine seven, and you be fruitful and multiply, team on the earth and multiply in it. And then in Genesis nine, um, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Um, and then Exodus 1.7 says, but the people of Israel, and I think this was when they were in Egypt, um, the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. We have the poten- 
potential to fill the land with God's people, um, not just through evangelism, but through having children and raising them for the Lord. Um, and again, I you know I just want to ask that question: What would happen if godly families had a bunch of kids right. and raised them for Him? And we don't have an overpopulation problem. No, can we, we just? We have a greed problem. Which is not too We have bad. a greed problem, mm-hmm. but we don't have an overpopulation. We live in one of the oldest states in the nation. Mm-hmm. And in seven minutes, I can be out in the country. We're in North Carolina. There are vast, undeveloped spaces, spaces yep. all over. And we're one of the original 13 colonies. Mm-hmm. We don't have an overpopulation problem, but we, we might have a greed problem. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. That's really good. And again, our main point is to yield this area of your life to the Lord, just like everything else. Make him central in the equation right. of your family and seek him and his will for you mm-hmm. uh, first. Exactly, exactly. And so I want to pose a few challenging questions uh, to you. We would like to pose these questions. If you have decided not to have more children, or thinking that you're done. Our question to you today is why? I think we need to be brutally honest with ourselves. If we really don't want more children, we need to ask ourselves why. Um, it could be it could be a legitimate good reason that you have brought before the Lord and that is the answer he's given you and and we you know, we totally agree with that. You do what God is leading you to do. But is this decision being made out of fear? Is it rooted in fear or is it a faith decision? I think that's really mm-hmm. the question. You know, um, are we, are we in making this decision, are we really being selfish or are we willing to, um, I, I think in some ways for us, we could liken it to um, picking up our cross, denying ourselves. You denied yourself the benefit of feeling more secure when it came to taking care of the family. And by the way, this man did a magnificent job and continues to do a magnificent job of providing for our family. And what you didn't see at the very beginning when he was describing what he feels like now, um, just being so rich in children, um, God has blessed us financially as well. Um, I will say that too. It's something we didn't, we didn't, we didn't know would happen and we, we really, it needed to be secondary because mm-hmm. God was calling us to this. But as he was describing um, his joy in having had these kids, he was getting, he was getting teary-eyed. And <laughs> I, could, mm-hmm. I could tell he was, his voice was starting to crack a little bit. But that just shows you how God has renewed his mind when it comes to kids and, and to having children and just what a blessing this has been for both of us. I mean, it has made our marriage stronger. We did not have a lot of outside support in terms of extended family that would babysit. We We really had to lean into each other and into the Lord. So, you know. And even my father coming to me when we had number five, they had four children. So when we had number five, he said, when is this going to end? This is- This madness. This is crazy. And- (laughs) And I and my dad is a, is a godly man, and I just said, Dad, go read the scriptures, see what they say about children, and if you have any more questions, come back and ask. Mm-hmm. I never heard another thing, mm. and I know he was kind of sent on a mission for my mom, who's a, a li- very practical right. and was concerned right. that that we were going to get worn out. Right. And, and, and it came from a position of love, but it came from a position of fear as well. Mm-hmm. And that's the part we, we, we couldn't have. Right, but, uh, right. So there, you know, it wasn't like everybody was always cheering us on. No. Um, but we had, God provided. He provided, he provided people. other people. Mm-hmm. He provided sometimes even sort of surrogate parents and surrogate grandparents. Yeah. And, and, and he just... He just met our every need. He did. And it was it was just amazing to watch. And, and it, it continues to be amazing to watch as mm-hmm. he continues to provide. So I think that it, it really, we need to ask ourselves, are we willing to trust his ability to provide for uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? Because, you know, Daryl's concern was, you know, his big concern is provision because that's his, his role in our family. Um, but for me, it was more like, 
physically, like, do I, you know, am I going to keep having C-sections and what's that going to look like? And, you know, mentally and emotionally, like, do I have the stamina to take care of all these kids? And yes, there were times I was absolutely, completely exhausted. And you know what? God, he meets you in those times too. You know, like I heard someone say a while back, you know, you can be, you can have sleep deprivation and still be joyful because Mm -hmm. that's the kind of God we serve. And, you know, I'm not saying I was always joyful. (laughs) (laughs) I had a a struggle with learning how to, you know, uh, give myself time to fill up. And I didn't really know what that looked like. So we we kind of bumbled our way through that. And you were very supportive in, 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 you know, when I would come to you and I would usually wait till I was a basket case before I did that. <laughs> um, he'd be like, okay, you need a break here. So, you know, th- th- those were all questions that, you know, eventually were answered, you know, but they were questions going into it. So we had to trust God to provide in those ways. And then I, I would challenge you, uh, have you asked God to lead you in this decision and have you yielded to him in this decision? Um, and when I say that, I don't necessarily mean you've given up birth control. I mean, have you taken the question to him? So I think a lot of believers don't even think about asking. Like they just assume that this is what you do and there's no question as to whether God has a say in it or not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, we'll just, when we're ready to have a baby, we'll have a baby. And then when we're ready to have another baby, we'll have another baby. And then that'll be it. And, you know, whatever. And forgetting that uh, we do need to yield every area of our lives to the Lord. And so that is what we really, really wanted to share with you today um, and hoping you've found some uh, interesting thoughts, some challenging thoughts, and uh, maybe you can have a a conversation um, with your spouse about this and just take it before the Lord and, and see what he has for you. And so that's our encouragement to you today. So thank you, honey, for being here with me. Glad to do it. (laughs) All right, we're gonna go ahead and pray. Um, do you want to pray? You want to start and then I'll finish? Yeah. Dear Lord, we just ask that above all that you will uh, speak to these families, Lord, these godly families who really seek to serve you and please you, Lord, that uh, you'll make your way clear to them, Lord, that you'll give them courage and and help them to be brave, to follow your path, Lord, and uh, that they will be um, open to your your guidance and direction, Lord. Yes, Lord, we do. We just pray over these couples, pray for wisdom and clarity of heart and mind. And we ask that you would um, help them to study the word for themselves and to um, and to just take this decision before you um, as they continue to walk in a covenant relationship with you, Lord. We thank you for those promises that are also in the word for those of us who belong to the Lord Uh, We and our children are part of a covenant family. We're in a covenant with you, Lord. And so there are blessings that come with that that are just just manifold blessings. And so uh, in such a way that we can can trust you with every area of our lives. And so I just pray for every family listening that uh, you would just pour out a blessing on them and uh, that you would help them to continue to trust in your goodness and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. 